On this week's episode, we welcome Kimberly Clayson. Will we ever get to the point where we have to bring in the National Guard to some level to protect our kids in these schools? I don't think we have to get it that far. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't. Um, you know, is there a different situation here in Baltimore City on the streets? There's a different situation. I know there are a lot of people that are calling for, uh, you know, maybe some assistance from the federal level. But when it comes to these schools, I think <clears throat> school resource officers need to be armed at all times. And I know in Baltimore, I was thinking about what happened in Nashville today. Had it happened in Baltimore, I mean, we do have SROs, but a lot of times they keep their guns, uh, you know, locked up because that's what they want them to do. And for me, it's just like, well, how soon can they get to these guns? You know, how soon can they get to this situation? And so I think we just need to try to get out of their way, right? I think a lot of times we try to over-police the police, and I think it, it, it prohibits them from doing the job that they were trained to do. Do, do you really, I mean, something um, Theroux said, which is so true, is that the pain that people in Baltimore and other cities that are just consumed by crime, um, people feel it everywhere, and yet, you have the mayors and the governors and these elected officials who say crime is down, it's getting better. They're isolated. They have their security. They have their protection. They have their um, zip codes that protect them from how real people live and what they're experiencing every day. People are really on the edge. And listen, when you see what happened in Nashville, parents believe it can happen to their kids because they don't feel protected anymore. And maybe, Theroux, you can help us understand this mindset. What is the rationale for a resource officer having a firearm that you have to lock up in a locker room? Because let's say th- this person who planned this through maps, through surveillance, n- knew about this resource officer, knew they had a firearm locked up, and the first thing they did when they went inside the school, take them out first, knowing that they cannot get to the firearm. So yeah. why is it, what is the, the thinking yeah. behind not being armed and prepared if something like this is unfolding? Look, I, I for one do think it's a hard choice. And the reason it's a hard choice is because you're trading on two risks. One risk is that an armed madman will enter the building with an AR-15 and start gunning children down. And that we need to have someone there to answer that madman. The other risk is that a school resource officer, like other police sometimes have done, will abuse that authority and use that weapon against someone in the school. That a child, that, that's the logic, that's the argument. That if we have more guns in our schools. But use it how? Give us an example of how it's been used before. So, you know, they come to this law. We unfortunately do have instances where teachers, others, have abused their authority and assaulted children. Their fear is that having an extra gun in that school will be used against the children. Has that ever been used, though? I, I do not know of an example. You don't know why you don't I, know because it has not been used. You asked for you the logic. You the most extreme. You, you asked for the logic. I, I, I'm not persuaded by it, but there. that is the logic. Desmond? Right. I think, I think both of those sides of the coin are probably... <laughs> May, may be equally likely to happen. Um, it, it, it's, it's the impetus for the argument, though. Um, and, and I think that's the, the point that Theroux is making, is that it's, it's the logic, and, or, or at least the argument. We're not saying it's very logical argument, but it is the argument. But it hasn't happened. But it, yeah. It hasn't. What, what is it? Do you think Baltimore 
is different for most cities when it comes to education and crime? Well, I think it's definitely different, right? We look at some of the results. We're at, what, 20000 per pupil, I think, uh, each year, right? The third highest per pupil spending in the country. Yet the results are abysmal, right? We've got 23 schools where kids are zero, zero kids are proficient in math. And so you have all this funding coming into Baltimore, and I don't know exactly where it's going, but it's not helping with educating the kids. And then on top of it, you do have a crime problem. And sometimes you've got crime problems right outside the school. And we've seen this time and time again. Seven children have already lost their lives. Seven students in Baltimore City in 2023. And I say, you know, and, and I know they're, they're trying new strategies. But I, I couldn't sleep at night not knowing that I'm doing absolutely everything I possibly could do. The aerial surveillance plane, I tell you what, all of these shootings that happened with these students, they happened in broad daylight. Why not fly that plane around those schools and figure some of this stuff out? Yeah, you know, there, there's things that could be done but they're not doing them. And I don't know what it is. I don't want to say that the mayor's being political here because I, I, you know, I've never asked him this question. So I'm not going to say that. But what I do know is there are other things that we can be doing immediately. There is a measure of cowardice in how we react to this. Seven children, seven children, seven students in Baltimore City have been killed during broad daylight hours in the first three months of the year. And yet there has not been a single national story. And there also has not been a single change in policy by our city leaders. Not a single word that we need 600 more police officers from our city council, our city council president, our mayor. We need 600 more police officers, but you don't hear that from our politicians. Not a single change in strategy around what we do in those schools. All we hear is this is unacceptable. We need more thoughts and prayers. We need the community to step up and we're gonna bring these people to justice. But the actual changes in policy, there is no one at least in this city at present that is willing to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. And so I fear we will have seven more, whether it's this month or next month or the month after that. No one wants that, but we all know it's gonna happen. You know, in, in preparing for um, tonight's Your Voice, Your Future, I had some research done on the school chancellor, Sandalista here, and the Baltimore City recent report card and the dismal results and the mentioning of, you don't have one student proficient in math uh, and reading. I mean, those numbers are so shocking. I mean, you're not even showing up. I mean, and a 1.0 grade point average, I mean, it's just almost unimaginable, but here's what's shocking. Beyond panels and beyond the community, no one in a position of authority, of authority has ever criticized hmm. the chancellor, have ever criticized the mayor. In fact, Sandalista gets rewarded. They, give her, they make her honorific. They salute her and I ask, salute her for what? Honor her for what? What has she done to earn these accolades? So if you have the bosses the city boss is saying, you're doing a great job, and these are the results that show you're doing a great job. Why should she think she needs to do better if her bosses don't hold her accountable and say, look, you've got to earn that half million dollar salary. You've got to earn these promotions. It's got to show that these kids must have better results in math proficiency, in English proficiency, in reading proficiency. And I just think, Desmond, that makes sense. But you don't hear one city official criticize these leaders. Well, I can tell you, uh, I'm living that that scenario firsthand. I, I have a 20-year-old who a couple of years ago 
uh, was one of the celebrated children of Baltimore City Public Schools graduating uh, and uh, was appointed to, a, uh, I would say, one of the five United States military academies. When she arrived, she was so unprepared in math that they had to actually create a new class for her for math. And it was two students, her and a foreign student from another country, a third world country. And that was just to bring her up to foundation level so that she, she had the capability, she just never had the exposure. And uh, I, I wholeheartedly believe that the school uh, CEO should be performance-based. Uh, the, the pay should match the results. Uh, and as far as the criticisms, uh, I think the the way that our city is structured, our government is structured, uh, the mayor and the city council being one entity, uh, the mayor has so much power that anyone that criticizes anything is by and large criticizing the mayor. And you see a, a great reluctance from anyone under the mayor to actually do make that criticism because of the, the, the implication that you're going against the boss. And uh, I, I, I know that there are folks that have strong opinions about the, that situation, but will they come? What, what you're stating is not an opinion. Your mm -hmm. daughter suffer That's as right. a result of them not doing their job. Right. And she had to face the humiliation and the fact that she was not prepared for that military job. Mm -hmm. And if that happened to your daughter, imagine, it's, it's obvious what's happened to all these other right. kids. And you don't want what happened to your daughter mm -hmm. to happen to these kids that's coming along yeah. now. And somewhere along the way, it needs to be corrected. Absolutely. We're talking about a child that was very well supported, obviously. Now, now just think about the, the kids that don't have su such levels of support and, and what they're getting out of the school system. And to the extent that we don't fix that in the city is the extent that we'll continue to see the seven murders uh, before, you know, St. Patrick's Day. That is... Desmond's daughter is among the best and the brightest. And we know this connection, we've always known this connection between education and crime. Frederick Douglass said what, uh, it is easier to raise strong children than to repair broken men. So every one of these classrooms, by the way, every one of the schools that Kim was pointing to that have these horrific, abysmal numbers are also the schools that we have left behind, that we've ignored. They are hyper-segregated. It is our black children that we are leaving behind. It is our black children that we are throwing to the wolves in so many of these instances. And by the way, to your point about the, the CEO of schools, it's not just that we're patting her on the back and giving her a new title. We're giving her a raise. Correct me if I'm wrong, I think she is the highest paid public official in the state of Maryland right now. And if you are presiding over some of the worst schools in the country, even if you saw incremental progress, how on earth do you justify that? And we are in a situation where if everything else was going well, if crime was down, if the economy was booming, if people were moving into Baltimore and the only problem was the schools, then maybe a little bit of slow but steady progress would be enough. But you're facing a compounding problem where people are leaving this city in droves because the crime is out of control, worst in the nation, the property taxes are out of control, higher than every other jurisdiction in the state, and the schools are among the worst in the region. And when you have all of those things compounding, to give people a raise and celebrate them and be afraid to say, it's my responsibility, I screwed up, I have to step down, it's just, it's shameful. Let me just quickly say, this is a city of participation <laughs> trophies. I'm sorry. Uh, you were talking about the doctor, Sonia Santelis, the school CEO. But just think about it. There are people that get reelected every election cycle that continue to fail their constituents time and time again. I remember running for Congress in 2020. 
uh, I was told that I was being too local, right? It's like all politics is local. Yes, I'll be dealing with national issues if I go to Capitol Hill, but why do you think you have a, an office in the district if you're not gonna be hands-on locally? But you know why they don't know this? Because for so long, they've accepted for their members of Congress to not deal with local issues. And so everybody continues to get reelected time and time again. And if there is a new name and a new face, uh, there's somebody that have worked in City Hall prior, right? They might have worked already in somebody's office and they just continue to do the same thing every single time, the same cycle. So this is the city of participation trophies. You know what? I, you know, I just had this epiphany. Imagine if I'm a criminal. If it been decades ago, I had to watch how I would steal, kill, rape, cheat, lie, steal, because the law was not on my side. The government was not on my side. I had to be a real slickster to get away with my crimes. But imagine in today's America, where criminals have finally become the favorite sons in power. You can steal less than a thousand, you can't go to jail. You can kill somebody if you're under 25 years old and you won't serve the full sentence. I mean, what greater time in the world than it is in America to be a criminal? Everything is geared toward the criminal. Everything is geared toward that which fails, which doesn't deliver, like Santa Lisa in the school system. Everything's about, if you're, if you're being accountable and responsible, you pay the price. But if you're not accountable and responsible, you get free reign. It's happening with the educational system. It's happening with criminals. You lock them up, you put them back on the street because you don't want to get caught up in giving them too much jail time. What, could you have ever imagined? You have two daughters. Could you have ever imagined living in America where crime pays and, and, and the law favors you, be, you being a criminal? Well, if you don't have any consequence, what's your deterrent uh, at the end of the day? I've, I, that's simple math on their part. And I think I've, I've heard through cover this on plenty of occasions. When you, what, what are your chances of getting away or being prosecuted uh, for the crimes that you commit? So as a, as you can see, I mean, criminals, I mean, they know how to do math, too. But they, they so they understand that if my likelihood of actually getting caught and then even if I get caught, you know, what are the what are the consequences that I'm actually going to serve? Those numbers are fairly low. Then you know that that crime gets to be a little bit more attractive. And in them. Maryland, a 12 year old can commit a crime and pay no price. Do you can you imagine how the gangs will use a 12 and 14 year old to do their bidding, knowing that they're not going to pay a price for it, use them as mules? Don't they understand yeah. the criminal mind? The rule. I, you know, it, it, Baltimore City politicians in particular, they they. They assume the worst about the criminals, not realizing that criminals are paying attention. They're not watching CNN. They're not reading the data, but they're talking to their boys. They're talking to their and fellow they the members, and they know yes. what is happening. Uh, Desmond was alluding to the numbers here in Baltimore City. In Baltimore County, in Baltimore County, right outside the city, nine out of 10 murders get solved. In Baltimore City, less than 25% of murders end with an arrest. 75% of the murders that happened last year and the year before that and the year before that go completely unsolved. And the biggest reason is not because Baltimore County, all the people are cooperating and, and the criminals are turning themselves in. It's because in Baltimore County, they have more detectives for every murder. In Baltimore City, it's one detective for every 10 murders. In Baltimore County, it's one detective for every three. It's simple math, and the criminals know that if they commit a crime in Baltimore County or Howard County or Montgomery County, chances are they're gonna get caught. Chances are there's gonna be consequences. In Baltimore City, the equation is very different. They know that they can get away with murder, and they're not being irrational. They're just paying attention to what's happening in the city. And then, Kim, if you live in Merlin, 
if you, if you if you go through firearm training, you get your concealed and carry. They want to make you feel like a criminal. Mm-hmm. And, and yet these criminals can get guns at will because they don't care about the law. All they care about is continuing their enterprise. So even law abiding citizens who want to protect themselves, protect their communities, are put through a process that is just humiliating, debilitating, to do everything they can to keep firearms out of the hands of law-abiding citizens. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. And even when you're talking about criminals just having free reign right now, look at the bills that goes to Annapolis, right? Criminal justice reform. You want to get justice for the criminals, right? The juvenile justice reform. You want justice for the juveniles that are in the system. What about all the juveniles that are not in the system? When are we going to reward those people? What about all the people that are not out here committing crime, right? They're just scared for their life trying to, I see all the time, people will post on social media, I just like to stay out of the way, right? That's what they say all the time, I stay out of the way. And it's like, you shouldn't have to live this way. You shouldn't. And I didn't realize the numbers between Baltimore County detectives Mm -hmm. and Baltimore City detectives, but if you know that, why aren't they calling for help from the federal level? Again, where are the members of Congress? Where are the people reaching out? Mayor Brandon Scott has a great relationship we've seen with President Biden and even Pete Buttigieg and everybody else. Go down there and ask for some help on the federal level. Get these detectives here. Moreover, we received $641 million in American Rescue Plan Act dollars, and not one time did we talk about addressing that stat where we need more detectives. That that may be the biggest thing. What about SB1? They're trying to eliminate carry laws here in rolling through. Look, the, the reality is that so much of this has now become a political football. Right. It's just about getting reelected and doing whatever you can to deflect responsibility for the things that are going badly and pretending to take credit for the things that are well. Last week, They were celebrating the fact that there was a modest decrease in murders the same week that we had a day in Baltimore where 12 people were shot, including multiple children, including multiple fatalities. We had seven murders in four days last week, the same week that City Hall was celebrating how uh, well things were going. And Desmond said it. The problem is that even though we know that we need more cops in Baltimore City, I am a proud Democrat. I was a federal and city prosecutor. And during the times when crime was going down in Baltimore, it's because police and prosecutors were working together and getting violent criminals off the streets. Nobody should be afraid to say we need cops to be able to do that job. And yet every city politician is afraid to say simple words. We need 500 more police officers in Baltimore City because if we had more detectives and we had more cops, every community that's clamoring for it would feel safer and every criminal that's avoiding punishment would start to feel a little bit afraid. Right now, it's not the criminals that are afraid, it's the rest of us. Now, let me just, this is the question that we must place on the table. I, I, I think we have a lot of light footers running around the country today, real light in the foot. And they got rid of the light foot in Chicago, um, she only got 17% of the vote. And one of the things that we learned from the Lightfoot era, that what constituency are you serving? Lightfoot was convinced that her constituency did not care about crime, did not care about murder. And, but what she found out, her constituency did care about crime. Now, I know the media, the mainstream media plays a role in playing this down about what constituents really care about. But I'm trying to ask you, you have 600,000 people 
in Baltimore, are you telling me that these 600,000 people are on the same page as the elected officials, that they don't care about crime? Because it seems to me they say, well, is this proportionally this, is this proportionally that? But guess what? The, 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 the concerns of the many outweighs the few. If you've got 600,000 people and only 1,000 of them are committing the crimes, lock them up. Who is your constituency, Kim? Who are you representing? It makes no sense, because I guarantee you those criminals are not donating to their campaigns, right? They're just doing what sounds good. The problem is, and I will say this, Baltimore did speak last election cycle with the state's attorney's race, and they did get rid of state's attorney Marilyn Mosby, which a lot of people understood. In the shirt. She was, yes, they they understood that some of this was worse. But at the same time, we're not changing enough, right? There should be more seats that are flipping uh, with other people coming into play. But I think, you know, this is this is an issue where voters have to stand up. Now, I do realize with this American Rescue Plan money, you had a lot of millions of dollars going to some of these nonprofits. And I think, you know, these nonprofit workers, they're probably thinking to keep this paycheck going for me. I got to vote for Mayor Brandon Scott. I got to vote for the person that's putting that paycheck on my table. And so that's another issue. Those that are living in the most dangerous communities, a lot of them are not registered to vote. And I really wish that they would stand up and speak out. It's a tragedy what happened with that money. Uh, It was a sin that you had a $641 million once in a generation, once in a century gift that you could have invested. And you basically turned it into what politicians call walk around money. Give a million dollars here, a million dollars there, and hope that they show up to work the polls and cast the votes. And the people that care deeply about these issues, they've decided to vote with their feet. Baltimore City was a city of uh, nearly a million people. It's down to 585,000. We lose a percentage of our population every year. They are moving to jurisdictions where crime is being taken seriously. The schools are better for their children. The taxes are lower. And the leaders take responsibility for what's going wrong. LaGuardia, Mayor LaGuardia in New York City used to say, if a pigeon dies in Central Park, it's my responsibility. That was his model of leadership. You don't hear that from anyone in Baltimore. Every time there's something that goes wrong, it's someone else's fault, probably someone from the other party. And every time something goes well, oh my God, let's throw a ticker parade for ourselves. Yeah, I mean, we see it time and time again. It's unfortunate that we have, and this is a thing too, I think a lot of elected officials have taken voters for granted, right? Votes are being taken for granted. I can remember a time where you would see maybe the mayor or a city council member uh, jumping on the, the city transit bus, making sure that it's running on time, talking to people, right? Now you've got to play a situation where the mayor, he can be asked a, a question, a simple question by a reporter, and he's jumping in his SUV, running as fast as he possibly can, right? So they don't even want to answer to the people. And so this is a situation where voters have to understand you're being taken advantage of, but you can do something about it. And there are avenues for the voters uh, and for the people. I mean, the power is always with the people and the tools are always available to them. And if the mayor uh, is not going to be accountable to his own city, city council and the city council pet president and the, and the comptroller, he's not going to be accountable to the media. Uh, then, you know, there's there's other avenues for the mayor to have to be accountable, but the citizens have to stand up and make that happen. You know, I saw where in this city, the Department of Public Works has one of the biggest budgets in this city. And they have a trash problem where people should pick up their trash and take care and clean their community. What does the mayor do? The mayor takes $50 million, $50 million, and give it to nonprofits mm-hmm. To clean up the trash. Nonprofits of which he controls their boards. Let's make sure we make that clear. The nonprofit that he gave that money to was the Baltimore Civic Fund, of which four of his cabinet members sit on the board. 
and that money did not go through the board of estimates. It was allocated directly from the mayor to. But what, then what is the purpose of the Department of Public Works? Well, that's what we're going to get to the bottom of. There's been a, a case. I, I need you to yeah. help me with this. Yeah. That's what they do. Right. But yet you're going to take 50 million and give it to a nonprofit to do their job. And, and let, let, let's, let's be clear about that as well. The, the, the 16 neighborhoods that they selected represent about 6% of the city. Okay, but they gave him fifteen million dollars. Our entire solid waste budget is thirty-eight million dollars. Okay, so you're taking fifteen million to take care of six percent of the city and provide a dumbed-down service from what the recycling and DPW was was providing. It is it is absolutely abhorrent. But like I said, the citizens will hold the mayor accountable on that issue. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.